Talking Books on News Talk 106 to 108. friends you have. Don't tell me you are married to someone of colour. Don't tell me you voted for Obama. As you reap comfort for being white, we suffer from being black and people of colour. But your comfort is linked to our pain and suffering. The powerful words of American philosopher George Yancey from his essay Dear White America, published in the New York Times philosophy series, The Stone. Hello, how are you? And you're very welcome to Talking Books. I'm Susan Cowell. It's lovely to have your company this evening. Are human beings getting better? And do we need religion to live an ethical life? Well, on tonight's show, we're going to tackle those questions with British philosopher, writer and teacher Simon Critchley, whose latest book, Modern Ethics and 77 Arguments, a stone reader, has just been published by W.W. Norton and Company where Simon argues, faith is not a like-for-like like relationship of equals, but the asymmetry of the like-to-unlike. It is a subjective strength that only finds its power to act through an admission of weakness. Simon goes on to state, it is perhaps the faithless who can best sustain the rigour of fate, without requiring security, guarantees and rewards. So, what does it mean to be an ethical person? And why is doubt so important? So uh, I'm Simon Critchley. I teach uh, philosophy at the New School for Social Research in, uh, in New York. Uh, I've written a lot of books on different things, and I also um, uh, run or moderate a column with the New York Times, a philosophy column with the New York Times called The Stone. Really well done on modern ethics, Simon. I have to say it's very interesting read, very stimulating parts, very troubling in other parts. You present so many different um, ethical dilemmas to the reader and the range of contributors, I have to say, is something else. There is such a range there and I think there's something there for everybody. I might throw you a big wide open question to kick things off and we can take it from there. Do you think ethics are valued in society today? What do you think? It's a, that's a big question. Yes, they are. Yeah, everybody thinks that they're they're moral. I mean, in terms of their, you know, people in the way people act socially, the way people represent people politically, people think that they're for the most part doing good. The question is whether that is uh, whether that is good or not, and that's a more philosophical question. So I think people people, uh, you know, it, it is it's a fact about the vast, vast majority of human beings, that they 
they believe they're acting morally uh, in, in their lives. Uh, the question of whether that morality is legitimate or not is, uh, is a second-order question that philosophers and different people uh, ask. So, but I think, yeah, people for the most part think they're doing, they're doing well. And then, you know, then there are blind spots where we discover all sorts of things that we think are good or actually causing unintentional kinds of uh, uh, wrongdoing and uh, maliciousness. Well, how do you define ethics or what does it mean to live an ethical life? Like, what, how does that all work out for you? Uh, well, I mean, you know, the, I mean, the, uh, and to live, to live in a, you know, for as long as human beings have been living in, uh, in groups since, you know, since whenever, but then certainly since the rise of what we think of as civilization, the cities of the, the Middle East, there have been, uh, there have been habits, there have been behaviors. And so the idea of ethics is, uh, linked. It goes back to the old ancient Greek word for, uh, for a behavior, a habit, a custom, an, an ethos. And so uh, all human life is ethical in that sense. It's, it's composed of different, um, different habits and customs. And those customs, by definition, vary from place to place. There are different customs in the city of you know, Babylon, from the city of Nineveh or Jerusalem or whatever. And then the question, the, the, the philosophical question, I guess, is the question of, um, you know, of who's right and of what, what uh, a legitimate morality would would consist in. So, so ethics is a you know is is, is a general feature of, of of human life wherever human beings gather. That uh, doesn't mean that they're they're right, but they just believe. Usually, they they inhabit the customs they inherit and inhabit the customs of the place in which they they live. Uh, are those customs good customs? Well, that's a, that's a that's a more philosophical question. But why do you think it is, though, Simon, that some people find it so difficult to take an ethical position on something that may be either troubling them in some way or something that they see in the news or um, or whether it's kind of a right-to-life issue that they um, they just don't like either committing to a position or they don't like having a definite uh, stance in it? Um, well, that could be because they're being, you know, they might be being acting out of fear, they don't know what to think, or they're secretly, they have a moral, you know, conviction, which they're not, uh, they think is something that they're not able to express publicly, or, or they could just be, you know, uncertain about what the right thing is to do. In, you know, so for example, things like um, the right to life, things like the, the death penalty, these general, these general questions, there might be you know, a conviction we have, a belief that we have, which... Uh, we're not sure whether that's the, uh, the right thing to do. I mean, I, I, I mean, my personal view is that when it comes to, to moral questions, the thing we have to be careful about is, is forms of certainty. You know, when people believe they're morally certain about something, then that, that might be fine, but it also might be the perpetuation of, a, of, a, of an unjust practice. So, so kind of what happens with, I mean, with, 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 when philosophy comes on the scene, and this is a good way of thinking about it, you know, with the ancient Greeks two and a half thousand years ago, I mean, the, those peoples in Greece, those cities, each had their customs, their practices, their ways of life, their different conceptions of what is good. And then Socrates came along, and he asked the question, you know, what is, what is virtue in general? What is, what is goodness in general? 
And that leads you to raise the question, well, uh, is what is good in a, one context good in another context? Can there be uh, a goodness which can be, uh, can be uh, valid, can be legitimate across different contexts? And you know, that's one thing that uh, some, some people, many people believe is the, the importance of, say, constitutions, things like the, I don't know, the European Court on Human Rights, legislation like that. Regardless of what uh, individual people might think in terms of their prejudices, there has to be an idea of, uh, of, of goodness and legitimacy which is codified in law and which is binding on different, different peoples and groups. So that's kind of the way things, uh, way things run. So um, where have you maybe changed your mind on ethical views or ethical positions or are you open to changing your mind? when you possibly get new information or you go through maybe a life experience that possibly would change how you perceive a certain issue or change how you understand things? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it happens more rarely than we, we might think, you know, um, but it does happen. I think you can look at, um, I don't know, take the, take the example of, uh, of Ireland and the way Ireland has, has shifted in terms of public opinion on things like... Um, homosexuality, gay marriage in, within a generation, a couple of generations, that's, uh, that's, that, that, that's a moral change uh, and people have changed their minds. Uh, how has that happened? That's happened for different reasons. In cases like that, you can point to um, you know, maybe even something like moral progress. Uh, other cases, I mean, it, it's basically, it's hard to shift people's basic assumptions about their basic moral assumptions about the world and it might take something really dramatic to do that i know of um there's a there's a philosopher uh, i used to read called bernard williams and he was talking about the fact that philosophers never change their minds in his experience they're they're rather dogmatic people which is a, which is a pity but he was talking about being on a government commission once looking at um uh issues of, of, of paedophilia and, and child pornography and whether there should be legislation in Britain on child pornography. And uh, this um, philosopher who was on this committee didn't think there should be legislation. And uh, when he saw the evidence of child pornography and she confronted with it for a day or a series of days, changed his mind. So that can also happen. There can be events in the world that lead to uh, a sudden shift in one's moral perspective. Other examples, say like, homosexuality, there can be a gradual shift over a generation. So, but basically people tend to, tend to cling to their moral view of the world, um, the, one that they've in, the one that they've inherited, the one that they were told was right when they were, when they were growing up, and it's, it's hard to, to break with that. You have some remarkable essays in this collection, and uh, they're so deeply affecting, tackling so many really... Uh, tricky questions in political, social and economic life. Um, possibly one of the ones that really stuck out for me uh, was Shayla Benhab's uh, piece on the morality of migration. And she argues that uh, the morality and politics of migration are amongst the most divisive issues um, in the world today. And um, she says migratory movements are sites of imperfect justice. I thought that was so brilliantly put. But when we think about what's happening all across Africa and the Middle East, when women and children are getting on boats and, you know, they're in positions uh, 
desperate positions and how vulnerable they are. Yet there's countries all across Europe who are adamant not to take them. So I'm just wondering, what what is your what should be the what's the, an appropriate or a moral response to all of that, or what's your philosophical response to all of that? Well, it, you know, I guess it depends what your moral view of things is, right? I mean, whether you whether you as a I mean, you know, the leaders of a country, a government, see themselves as having um, duties and obligations only, or primarily towards their own citizens or whether they see themselves as having duties and obligations towards citizens from other places. And in many ways, the, um, uh, the conflicts that are defining um, you know, the, the world um, as, as we speak are, are conflicts around questions of, of migration and, and uh, what we owe to migrants, to, to refugees, to people that are making a um, claim to come to usually where we are what our responsibilities to them, those people are. And, um, you know, uh, uh, Shayla uh, Ben-Habib in her essay is basically arguing for uh, a position that's informed by the work of Immanuel Kant, who in many ways is the most, maybe the most important moral thinker of the, the modern period. Um, and Kant's Kant has an, an idea of what he calls a, a universal right of hospitality. So to be a citizen of a, um, of a country doesn't mean that one's obligations are only to other citizens, but there are also obligations to um, people from elsewhere, citizens of other places. There's a, a hospitality that refugees and migrants have. And, that's, um, and this, this raises the question, the huge question, about, um, about borders and... Um, you know, there's a, I mean, what's happened, if we think about, just think about the European context, but obviously also the United States, it's, um, uh, does one admit people that are making a claim to, or just expressing a wish to, to be in that place? What is, what is the, what policy should a government adopt and, and what should the, the feelings of, uh, what might the feelings of ordinary citizens be in those, in those situations? And, I think um, what's, what's, what's emerged in the last, the last years, really, in, in very recent years, we forget that with the rise of, of populism in different parts of the world, has been um, you know, an, an aggressive reassertion of borders. You know, and, and people now, uh, through their politicians, are able to give voice to an extraordinary hostility towards, uh, to, towards migrants, which people like me think is immoral. That's not a morally justified position. So I think Shayla's arguing that, that position too. Um, so could we, you know, if we think about, <clears throat> this is what's really depressing at the moment. I mean, yeah, migratory movements are sites of imperfect justice. Yeah. But, you know, under uh, a president like Obama, uh, that question was, you know, a very different question than it is under President Trump and the kind of uh, vigorous reassertion of of nationalism, and the you know, and so the question, you know, the larger question which which you you, you raised before, and are human beings getting better? Is I think is a very difficult question to answer. If you look at the 